What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Picking Corners, a box lacrosse channel production presented by Stick Grips. We are excited to be back with you guys today. You have uh, myself, Tucker LaBelle, Cammie Mack, and Garrett. We are all in here uh, excited to talk some lacrosse, excited to talk future plans, excited to talk life. Summer is upon us. Cam won a city championship. A lot of lacrosse is going on. Cam, you guys are moving into the playoffs, the state playoffs. You know what, Cam? Just just fill us in on the on the uh, the journey, real quick. Yeah, I don't know if you guys see this, but this hat says "A City of My Freaking Champion." That's right, buddy. Uh, yeah, we 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 shocked the world by beating uh, our ranked rival Lane Tech in the city championship. Um, was never really a doubt in in our minds by any means, but. Nonetheless, uh, a great accomplishment, and, and you know, they, they took it from us last year, um, but we came back prepared. They beat us early on this year, and, and we weren't going to let it happen again. Um, so that would make us nine-time city champions, um, which is pretty sweet. But other than that, um, we got a lot of lacrosse things going on, and specifically for us, too. Had our first uh, Senior A tryout this last Sunday. Thought it went pretty well. We've got our, our second round of tryouts coming up um, this Sunday. Uh, sorry to the moms last Sunday on, on dipping out early from brunch, but we had to uh, take care of some business. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, in regards to that, Garrett, um, I want to jump in right away and just ask you, Lyle Thompson, uh, you got his stick literally right there behind you. has never been thrown with. Um, just recently announced that he's going to have to take a break from, from the pro circuit here. Uh, what are your thoughts and, and, you know, are you supportive or just in general of athletes, you know, taking a step back or, you know, curious on what you're, what you're thinking? Yeah. Um, it's interesting now you mentioned it, like kind of like the athletes really taking a step back. And I think, I don't know if this is like a hundred percent true, but from my perspective, lacrosse, professional lacrosse athletes are almost really special in kind of specifically special in one way. Um, they play year round. I don't know of another sport that really plays like as long as they do, especially if you play in both leagues, like Lyle does. Um, he plays in the NLL. He plays in the PLL. Um, who knows what he does? Like when the NLL is not playing, and we're just playing period and coaching and everything. Like you're basically running around the entire time. Um, you're running around, you're flying around the country, you're doing camps, you're playing games, you're playing field games, you're playing indoor games. It's a lot of, a lot of moving around. And, I get it. Even from like a person who's like, yeah, I want to play lacrosse all times. That's tiring. And you have a family on top of that. So I can definitely see where he's coming from. Um, For sure. And it's and funny so I mean, because yeah, we it's, just, it's, I agree with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we haven't said who we're going to have on yet. So our, our, our interview on the back half of this is Eli Gobrick. And he plays for um, both the Water Dogs in the PLL and the uh, Seals in the NLL, right? And, and firsthand, just told us that, you know, it's a, it's definitely a grind playing lacrosse year round. Right. And we just started talking to some, some more guys who do the the whole crossover between the PLO and LL. Right. Um, and that's for them year round, like you said, and it's gotta be to a certain extent, you know, burning them out. Right. It's gotta be really testing their, their stamina. Um, and as much as, you know, they, and we all love lacrosse, there comes a point where you just need to take a break. Um, and I think it's, if anything, representative of how progressive um, the lacrosse community has become to where 
you know, I think that Lyle isn't afraid to say, Hey, you know, I, I need to take a step back for myself, for my family. You know, I want to focus and make sure that my mental, my mental health is, is up to the right, um, you know, standard that, that will allow me to play this game and, and do it in front of fans and, and perform. Right. Um, Tucker, you know, I'm curious, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, especially from being somebody that, you know, isn't necessarily playing all the time, but you're coaching college, you're coaching high school, and then you are playing and, you know, senior, and then you're, you're going to San Diego and, and helping out with FCA and stuff. And we'll get into that in a minute, but even just, you know, from your perspective, what is it like consistently having, you know, a, something else on the to-do list? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think personally it's caught up to me a lot more um, lately. I mean, it's, you gotta take care of yourself and like, it's about finding the right time, finding the right schedule. Um, the last three years up until this point, the three years prior, I've been playing lacrosse literally year round with no off time between the college season, the fall college season, the fall box tournaments and the summer box. And the the travel, I think, is what catches up with you the most um, and just the time allotted specifically to travel. Um, I mean, you as a college or a semi-pro player and all this, especially semi-pro, you're putting in a lot of your own financial uh, means and you're putting in a lot of your time and you're missing work and stuff like that. For me now um, as a coach and and then a player and a GM in the summer and all this, like this is a jam-packed year for me. Um, and we had a really heavy travel schedule on the college side. And so like right now I'm trying to find that lull and like, Today it was scheduling how many tournaments am I going to go to in the next two weeks across the country before I go to San Diego so I can go recruit. So it's um, it's difficult, but I I really I admire um, Lyle's uh, decision to take a sabbatical. Like I I really 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 admire that, and I think you hit it on the head of it being a progressive um, league to do that. Um, I. I almost wish in some ways we'd see it more from professional athletes who are, they're willing to say, Hey, I need to take a step back. I need to take a summer off. I need to spend more time with my family. I mean, Lyle's got a young family. Um, he's got a lot of family in his community, obviously, and, and family means the world to him. I know. Um, but willing to say, Hey guys, I need to take a step back. Um, I, I need to spend time with my family. And it wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to retire and then come back. He was like, hey, I just give me a summer, give me some time to focus on my family and my community, and I'll come back. And I I would prefer to see that from players who have played for a long time than seeing them retire and come back, retire and come back, retire and come back. Because what he's doing is is a brilliant move of self-health and saying, give me a break for a little bit here. It's going to be more productive for everybody in the long end, and I'm going to come back healthier and happier and more centered. And, and the ability to recognize that is what gets lost, I think, in athletes of athletes of every level. I just whip <laughs> my pen across the room. Um, I think, uh, for those of you just listening to the podcast, while Tucker is having this very heartfelt, thought-out response to my question, he just threw his pen across the room. Um, and it's, you know, obviously tough to, to hold it in. But, yeah, I mean, I, I should I told, go ahead. We're in an era where – um, it's, we, we live busy lives. We live fast lives. We, we, we lose track of the little things and the intangibles and we, we lose track of what we should often focus on. And we struggle, I think, especially as men in sports 
willing to admit that and willing to admit when we need a break and willing to admit that we can only do so much. Um, you know, we live in this society where we pile on, we pile on, we pile on, we say yes, we say yes, we say yes. And Lyle is very much a people pleaser right, from what I know. And and those who are people pleasers, you know, we're willing to put everybody else on our back, but we can only carry that load for so long. So the ability to admit that is the true level of strength in my mind. Um, that's what more people should be willing to do and more, especially male athletes and people in sports in general. We, we It's okay to admit we need a break every now and then. It, it only makes us better when we can admit that, take a break, recover and come back stronger. Yeah, and I'd say that it, if there's any sport where you know, the, the players are more people than celebrities. It's lacrosse. Right. And this guy is just like, Hey, I, I want to live my life. I want to be able to, to, to catch up to everything that's been going on around me, whether it be with my family, with, you know, the things I do off the field with again, mental health being something that's, that's obviously a tough thing for, for a lot of people, um, not only in the U S but just across the world. Right. And it's getting more awareness, but this is a really good way for him to set an example and say, hey, you know, if this, this is something that I don't feel like I can do and put 100% into right now, that's cool because I can I can recognize that, take a step back, and I'll come back and I'll be ready to go. Um, what I'd like to talk about next is, uh, Tucker, I'd like to give have you give us a little bit of a background with your um, FCA work and, and give kind of a, a, a shout out to that. And then I want to move into talking about the world championships um, that they just released their merch. And, and I've got some pros and cons that I'm going to give the fans a rundown on, but yeah, yeah dive into that FCA stuff. Totally. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited right now um, to head out to San Diego in, in a month, actually now really a month and a day, which is, crazy it's coming this quickly um with fca team serve um so it is a group of either current collegiate or post-collegiate um men's lacrosse players from literally across the, the country i mean i'm seeing this list continue to expand daily um who are going out there to essentially do good and connect people through sport and their faith and the better um idea of connecting community um you know we're going out there to literally help in any way we can, and then also be essentially a, a trial squad or a practice squad for any national team. It's, it's awesome. Like it's, it's the coolest opportunity that as it gets closer, I, I think I really just get more excited. Um, you know, this group chat we're in is always something really inspirational and amazing. You have guys from pretty much every level, um, every background, every age coming together with a common mission to do good at the world games. Um, I'm just, I'm pumped. I mean, this next couple of weeks is going to be very busy for me, very busy for me. I won't lie, but it's going to be there before I know it. And I'm going to be um, beyond excited. And so now we're starting the preparation side of it and um, kind of picking countries that we want to work with. And uh, I put, I put my name out there for the Italian team um, because I spent a year living in Italy and love the culture and would love to work with a lot of those guys. I know again, really just looking forward to the entire experience. I'm going into it with a very open mind, very open perspective, open heart, and um, a willingness to learn, to connect, to be humbled in a lot of ways, and to work with an awesome group of people, both the FCA team and also just the greater community of lacrosse. Because as I, as this gets closer and as I look at the World Games and what it symbolizes, I mean, you have every country from Australia to Peru putting a team in competing. And if that doesn't say anything about growth of the game, 
I mean, it's going to all be in one spot in San Diego. Like we're going to be walking around and it, there's going to be a humbling experience for all of us when we look around and we see players from all these different countries across the world playing this game that we know and love. Like that is going to be the coolest experience ever. And it's that concept that regardless of what language is spoken, sport is the language that unites. And so that's where I'm really excited for this journey. I'm beyond pumped. The preparations are definitely starting right now. Um, and it's nice that it falls kind of right on the front end of our box season as well. So I'll be in good playing shape for both. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I think it's, I think uh, just to commend you, I think it's great that you're representing something um, from a religious aspect. That's, that's pretty cool because I feel like nowadays a lot of people try to stay neutral or, um, you know, not really express their, their personal beliefs. Um, but I, I think it, what FCA does is they don't try to throw it in your face. It's more so they just want, you know, people to understand that they're there as a resource. Um, but they also like to represent, um, athletes and, um, you know, that's a really cool, cool, just perspective and thing that you get to be a part of. So, yeah. um, Garrett, I'd like to, to bring it into the conversation a little bit. And I wanted to talk about, um, some of this merch that world across just, just released, um, I'm trying to find it on their Instagram. I didn't see it on their website, which world across, if you're listening, you might want to post it on your website. So world um, yeah. let's see. I, I think it was on their story. Here we go. Shop now. So it's world lax and I'm going to, the, the beauty of having our podcast over zoom is that I can actually share my screen and pull this up. Um, but it's world lax 2023.shop. Oh, so it looks like they partnered with Epic across, mm -hmm. um, which is cool. But anytime you partner with a, um, a high level brand, if you want to call them that, I would say that they're they're fairly established at this point. Um, it kind of ups the prices, right? So if we're taking a look here, um, I personally saw this design and was like, need it. I'm like, I need this hoodie. I love this like kind of rain, slight like rainbow kind of like pride Very aspect slick, to yeah. it. Um, and you can shop basically by your country or by your, um, or just by, you know, the, the tournament in general. But when you, when you click in here and you actually start to look at some of these prices, I mean, we're talking a hundred dollars for a hoodie. And that's just something that I can't, I can't get behind. Right. Because you know, what this podcast is really about is making sure that lacrosse continues to be accessible and more accessible for everybody. Um, and I, at the end of the day, we'll all agree, right, this is a business, right? They're here to make money. You know, as much as this World Games is about representing how, how far lacrosse has come and where it can go, it's still in, in place to drive revenue, right? But... I just, I can't understand where, you know, we would want some, you know, 15 year old high schooler who's like pumped for the world games to have to come on here and buy a hundred dollar hoodie. Um, I just, I think that that is kind of excessive, but I'm curious if you guys have any, yeah. any kind of, Garrett, what so, do you think? Is, uh... Epic, Epic got into the apparel game about two years ago and when they got into it and I think they still work on this model. They work with like a semi dropship type company where I, I believe somebody else is manufacturing for them. 
and they are the supplier essentially of the the graphics, the design, um, everything like that. Now, here's what I'm curious, Kim. I am curious if this is going to be the only offering available at the World Games, because just because they're the official apparel of it doesn't mean that somebody else also can't be an official apparel of it. So I'm curious, A, to see if this is the only offering on site at the World Games. That hoodie is dope. The hoodie with the palm trees, that hoodie is dope, man. Wow, look at that. That's sick. Um, but I am, I'm curious to see if this pricing is simply online ordering outside ahead of time, or if this pricing will also reflect the in-person at the venue. Um, because I agree it, it, I mean, without saying something arrogant, it, it leads to an elitist culture when you can only price things at a certain level and it prices some people out of enjoying stuff. So I would hope, I would at least hope that they have some affordable offerings in place for those who are visiting the world games in person and taking their time to do that because more people wearing this merch leads to more eyes, leads to more people asking about lacrosse leads to more awareness. I cannot get behind a $100 hoodie. Garrett, your yeah. take. I know it's, it's like, it seems like, you know, we want to keep it in within the lacrosse world and the sport of lacrosse with, you know, pop with partnering with, uh, with Epic and everything. But, uh, not to say there aren't cheaper people around or saying that it'll be less quality, less quality or anything, but um, I mean, it's already expensive enough to get out there to see the, you know, and then to be like, oh, you know, I, I, got to, I hope you, like you said, Tucker, I hope there's other options. It's like, okay, hey, you're out here, just grab a t-shirt, you know, a little, a little 20 spot, a little t-shirt, something like that. Um, right, absolutely. And and if you look at their just regular shop, just World Lacrosse, right? Not for the World Lacrosse Championship. Their their main supplier is Russell. Fairly solid apparel brand. This hat, 20 bucks, absolutely something that I can get behind. I'll yeah. order for it. Like that's that's which I makes me think of like, did they just outsource not say outsource, but they did say, hey, Epic, go design a bunch of stuff, print it on your own things, and then just sell it yourselves. Because, like, you can see, like, this stuff is way different. Um, it's not as flashy, as poppy, as cool, almost. Um, it's just, like, it's, like, it's, it's just different. Now, I'm not going to say, like, the, the Epic Shaft, I'd buy that. I'm not going to lie. I'd probably buy that. It's kind of, it's cool. But, I mean, it's a Shaft. It's, or it's pretty much priced like that. Um, a hoodie is not priced at $100 at Nike. You know, if it's if I want to get like a go to I can go to Dick Sporting Goods and grab something. This is not a hundred dollars. No, I, I think you're right. And and you know, to I I don't want to start off talking bad by any means about this event because one, they're they're being very nice and letting us cover it. Two, it's something that is ultimately growing the game, right? And it's giving a lot of people opportunities in a lot of different aspects. Um, so I think going back to your point, Tucker, let's hope that maybe this is just their initial partnership and they're trying to push people like, hey, we're partnering with Epic. Here's kind of our premium line of things. But then when you go to the tournament or when, you know, it gets closer, hey, here's a fucking Hanes shirt for 15 bucks that you can get that says World Across Championship on. I mean, yeah, but like I'm also thinking here, too, from a branding perspective, um, Epic, I mean, even when Epic came out way back in the day with their, you know, their Dragonfly 1 series um, they, they've always kind of been the cream of the crop, the premier, you know, they, they, they wanted to put themselves on an upper echelon. They wanted to separate themselves from every other manufacturer. It was made in the USA, 
designed in the USA based in Minnesota. Um, that's just, that's their brand recognition. I mean, from, from the start. So I think part of this is just them staying on brand with, with who they are. Um, I will say the one plus to this deal and with Epic, it looks like there's 35 apparel pieces available for each country, which is remarkable. Um, that's a great, great selection, great amount of designs. I can get behind that. I love quantity and designs for sure. Um, I, I also sit here and think of how much PLL apparel is now. Um, I mean, PLL, PLL hoodies are what, 80 bucks now? Yeah. 85? No, those things ain't cheap either. Yeah, they're, they're somewhere up there where it's, it's really, really, really expensive to get PLL stuff. Um, so I, I have a feeling this is not the only vendor that's going to be there with licensing agreement. Um, because if you look at a lot of this licensing, it just says the country, like it doesn't say anything else. And you really can't license just a country. Right. Account. So. And, and the one, the last thing I want to say, and then, you know, we'll get over to Eli's interview here. Um, but we just kind of initially talked about the the overall championship gear, but, you know, from that, that country standpoint, if I'm a kid from Uganda or Jamaica or, or um, Philippines, am I going to buy an $89 crew neck for a lacrosse team that I've probably never seen play before? No. Nope. I- I would hope that some of these offerings do end up supporting the teams. That'd be great. Um, Good point. Read one of those descriptions, see if it kicks back at all. Yeah. That's a very good point, Garrett. All right. So it says, get ready to revolutionize your workout with this jersey. This two-way moisture management material provides an... Okay. But the garment is ethically and sustainably made in the USA using high-quality fabric. Um, why Why am I going to love this? Is because this shirt is made to order so we can supervise quality. Um, it doesn't say anything about... Is this... This is... Uh, which... which Go back and oh this is maybe the world championship you want me to just go to the actual team and see if it goes yeah okay let's go to jamaica um jamaica hoodie hundred dollars um i don't see if no it doesn't say anywhere about it um kicking back so i don't know i hope so um i don't know if this is true i mean i Grant teams to get here is expensive, especially teams that are not close. Um, that's a lot of money to be spent on flights, you know, to get to get over here and get a, a whole team of people over here. Um, so you know, if maybe if it's like, hey, we we kick some back to the teams, okay, you know, I can start getting behind supporting your team and everything. That'd be cool. And I'm sure they're doing something like that. Yeah, they got to be. Yeah, it's just it's just tough when this is the first thing that you come out with that people can buy, and it's just so overly priced. That's yeah. just kind of my opinion. Otherwise, I think it's great that they do have huge representation. I think it's great that you can buy apparel for every team. I think a lot of the designs are sick. Um, I just would like to see a little bit more uh, wallet-friendly choices for people that, you know, can't afford $100 sweatshirt. But otherwise, uh, great conversation so far. Um, You know, we definitely want to make sure we leave time for Eli's interview. So uh, without further ado, let's kick it over to that interview with Eli from the Water Dogs and the... Uh, San Diego Seals. We'll get the Eli. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, we're all back. Even though you just listened to like, the first part, who cares? You're still back. Today, we have the one, the only Eli. I'm going to call him the amphibian because he's part of the water dogs. He's part of the seals. He's like part mammal. Who knows what 
all his animals are. Eli Goldbrit. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, getting started, you play in both leagues. You play in the PLL, play in the MLL, or NLL, not the MLL, rest in peace. And then you played a bunch in college. And I heard at one point, were you a hockey player? Yeah, I grew up uh, grew up in upstate New York, so played hockey for about probably 18 years. Um, that was my first sport. Um, so, yeah, though, I think hockey and lacrosse kind of went hand in hand for me. Nice. All right. Well, how does it feel to be back, you know, kind of a little bit far from New York, but basically back in the same rink as, uh, you know, as you are on ice, just now you're on grass. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a thought I had coming into the NLL. It's cool playing in uh, some of those NHL rinks like Colorado, Buffalo, Calgary. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. That's great to hear. I love that. Uh, anyone else have any more questions? Because I got some deeper ones, maybe a little bit later on. Because uh, I like how this guy plays. He does de- defenseman just like me. Well, now that we're on the topic of like PLL NLL, I feel like it's good to just kind of jump in. Um, you know, you've you've played in three pro leagues now, correct, Eli? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just curious having that experience and kind of seeing where the lacrosse community has gone, especially from a professional aspect. You know, what are some things that you think have have done really well and have helped grow um, the professional aspect of the sport? And what are some things that you think could maybe still be improved on or maybe some areas where you'd like to see uh, the NLO or the PLO kind of branch out to? Yeah, I'll start with the positive. I think the coolest thing is just that I can, you know, talk to my buddies or family at home and be like, Hey, we're, we're playing on ESPN or we're playing on ESPN plus. And it's just way, way more accessible than it was when I first came into uh pro lacrosse. I think it was like lax sports net for MLL the first year and then played in the championship that year. And it was like ESPN news. And that was the only televised game we were on. So it's, it's a lot more accessible, like I said, and it's also cool having uh People will just like text me a picture of a TV at a bar and like, hey, I just saw you on TV. So that part of it, I think, is definitely really cool um, and has been big for the growth of it and just exposure. Uh, I think I think the biggest challenge is still kind of growing that viewership to people who are not necessarily hardcore lacrosse fans um, who might not even know that there is professional lacrosse. I think that's still a barrier that we're trying to overcome. And it, it obviously is kind of confusing to explain to people like, Hey, so I play in this league for half the year and then I go and play in this league. Yes. They're both professional. Like, wait, where's the water dogs? Where is that? So, you know, just those questions. I'm sure you guys understand that, but uh, for a broader audience, um, I think kind of just figuring out how to make it a little bit um, clearer and, you know, that's that's kind of just where it's at right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even to your point with, you know, Barstool being a part of the Water Dogs, right? And, um, you know, more and more kind of shows and things, even like this kind of podcast, I feel like I'm seeing more um, exposure than ever before. But I still, you know, think that there is a gap um, that needs to be close to kind of their mo- those more popular sports, right? Um, so I think there's a really bright future for lacrosse. But yeah, it uh, in terms of you know that being a challenge, I think that we're we're moving in the right direction, and that's a, a really cool perspective. Um, Tucker, you know what do you what do you got for us today? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously between the two leagues, you're you're probably you know seldom at the same place for a long period of time. Um, but I guess you know it's it's cool to have the perspective of both the tour based model and the centralized home based model. Um, are there? I mean, do do you enjoy? 
you know, having kind of the best of both worlds where, you know, half the year you're, you're touring around and then, you know, the other half, you actually have a, a home arena or does it kind of all blend together at times with the amount of travel you do for lacrosse? And is there, you know, maybe pluses or minuses from both that you enjoy? Yeah, I think the two seasons are obviously different. Like the NLL season is a lot longer. It's 18 games, regular season. It's seven months if you're going all the way through playoffs. Um, so last year I lived in San Diego for the season, which was really cool. Um, that was, you know, you feel a little bit more professional when you're living in market. And we probably have, you know, 10 guys or so that live in market. I know places like Buffalo or Vancouver will have a lot more guys that live in market for NLL. So I think, uh, you know, just thinking about the future, that's potentially where you could see where that could go full time at some point down the road. Um, but I do love having like the same home base, the same routine. Um, that's kind of similar to what I had with Denver, with the outlaws the first couple of years, but um, you know, living in Seattle this season, it's, it's a lot of travel. It's, it's still on the West coast, which is nice. It's a really short flight to most of my games, but um, comparing that to the summer, like living on the West coast, it's a lot more travel for sure, but you're playing less games. Um, and the season is a lot shorter. I think traveling in the summer is, is kind of nice. Like I like being able to visit different cities that, I haven't been to or, or maybe ones that I have before just seeing uh, friends and catching up with people. So like you said, I think there's positives and negatives to both. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a really cool thing that I get to do. I think the, the hardest challenge is just that you really only have one month off a year from playing lacrosse. And I know that um, some of those bandits and chaos guys talked about it after the PLL championship, like it is a grind and, as much as we love doing it, like sometimes just mentally and physically, it, it wears you down at a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, what's, what's the fan base like in San Diego? Cause I mean, it, it seems like you definitely have, have built some kind of diehard fans um, that, I mean, even watching on the ESPN broadcast, you can kind of see a consistent group there every time that um, is fully invested in, especially like the, the younger kids, like you're seeing younger kids in seals jerseys and and there seems to be a really good, um, tap into the the younger market and then obviously being able to practice outdoors and be a little more accessible that way. Have you seen the the market really kind of grow over the years? And is there an excitement in San Diego? Yeah, I think COVID was a big challenge. Most teams kind of lost a little bit of momentum, but we're starting to get it back. And, uh, you know, Cam Holding and Westberg have done an awesome job with the Junior Seals program. So they coach kids from, I think it's like, second grade up all the way to their Royals team, which is that collegiate box league. And those guys are, um, are awesome coaches. They're, they're really, really do a good job in the community of just growing that like younger fan base, but, but um, starting to see some more people come out to games that, you know, maybe haven't been to lacrosse games that much or, or just kind of learning about it. So that's cool for us. We do, uh, some like signature stuff on the floor after the game and, and just talking to some of the fans that are like, Hey, this is, you know, this is his first lacrosse game or this is their first lacrosse game. Like that's really cool for us. And and we know that it's, it's a challenge to get people to, uh, to go indoors in San Diego for maybe something they haven't heard of before. So I think the progress has been good so far, but obviously uh, we got a, a little bit of a ways to go to, to sell that building out. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the, uh, the, the outdoor game probably helped with that push a little bit, kind of putting it uh, in Snapdragon Stadium and putting it outdoors in, in front of a newer audience. I mean, like, 
watching that one was really cool because you you saw I saw a lot of like Padres hats out there. I saw a lot of kind of outdoor sports fans um, enjoying lacrosse in an outdoor perspective, which I'm sure only helps um, the overall brand image moving forward and, and just brand recognition in the city. Yeah, for sure. That that was really cool. I think they were trying to make that like the winter classic and, and, you know, it, it certainly felt like that. It was cool for the players because normally we got to wear suits to every game and we all just, they got, they got us all Padres jerseys to wear like the city connect jerseys. So um, a lot of distractions going into that game, but it was really, really cool. Um, and the team kind of took care of us trying to make sure our families could come out for that. And um, that was one of the coolest games I've ever played in. So um, hopefully that's something we keep doing in the future. Yeah. Love seeing that from we're on the bus ride back from a college game and got a bunch of guys tuned into one iPhone and all of them were mind blown. That box was taking place outdoors. So I can tell you from a, a viewer's perspective, it was just as good online too. Okay. That's, those are my, those are my two ones, my two big ones I wanted to kind of bring up and got good responses. Thank you. I, uh, Cam, what you got? I mean, I think it's, I'd be curious to dig a little deeper, um, you know, into the, the atmosphere at that game. Um, you know, one thing that's coming up here is the, the world championship. I, you know, I think we kind of talked a little bit about that over the phone, Eli, but, uh, we're going to be heading down to San Diego to cover, cover that event. We're really excited. Um, and the, the opening game is going to be at Snapdragon in, uh, or, um, amongst the the can Canadians uh, in in the U.S. Um, that that gold medal matchup from 2018. Um, so you know what was it? What was the difference between being in uh, you know a home arena to then taking it to a different venue where you have um, you know probably a lot of more non traditional box fans coming and and supporting the event? I mean, what was that atmosphere like? Um, it was honestly really good. Like I was not sure how many people were going to come out. Like they sort of put us in the end zone of the stadium, which I think was perfect because once we looked up, I think, you know, end of the first quarter, second quarter, like it had really filled in and was pretty packed. Um, and the fans were loud and engaged, which is really important for us. Um, and I think that makes a big difference, you know, even just being outside, obviously this massive difference, but I thought there was a really good, um, amount of support from the fans and it was pretty electric just like you, you know make a big hit or there's a goal like you could hear the fans um and it was just something different that i hadn't experienced before because it, it was different than like a, a field game because the fans were a lot closer than they would be for like a pll game or a college game um and it kind of, it kind of feels like they're right on top of you so uh, also really just cool playing in that stadium it's an awesome facility from the locker rooms to the field everything Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of on a, on a funnier note. Um, I have to ask, what do you think about the actual setup? Um, Cause Tucker, Tucker doesn't like the kind of like temporary plastic boards. Uh, how did those seem to hold up um, with you, you know, pro guys throwing your bodies into them and stuff? Yeah. I, there was some testing going on and warmups just to like, see if, what, what spots we're kind of going to give or not. Um, I know they kind of put like water in the bottom of them but not all of them have water in the bottom. So you had to know like which spots you might just fall through. I, I'm sure you guys saw that the camera guy 
go absolutely flying off the ladder. Oh, that was golden. like yeah. the first thing I saw after the game. I was dying. I was like, Shuma, you killed this guy. He's like, oh, I didn't mean to. I'm like, obviously not. <laughs> Dedication too, right? The guy's up on the ladder. He's trying to get the shots, you know, not through the boards, over them. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. And to your point with them putting it in the end zone, I thought that was really creative, right? They used the the most of the venue that they had, and instead of, you know, having it in the middle and and having fans just spread throughout, they're like, well, why not just pack, you know, one side of the stadium and make it um, just a more intimate kind of experience for the fans and for the players. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, Garrett, you said you had some, some more specific hard hitting questions. Uh, what, what, what do those look like? I don't know. They're going to quite call them hard hitting. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, Eli's definitely good at giving out a couple of hits during his, PLL and NLL season and a couple of, you know, we'll say boxing matches uh, on the field too. So you got a nice little right hook. I will say that. Um, what are some things that you can say do translate well between the field and the box game? Um, you just mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're listed as a defenseman, but we've seen you score a couple of goals. Um, so, so what works, what doesn't work, what are some differences, what are some, uh, you know, some things that do translate between the two. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that I was told when I was going to my first, like, NLL camp was, hey, like, it's still lacrosse. Like, all the things that you do in a lacrosse game well that you do in field. So, like, I pick up ground balls. Like, I try to cause chaos on defense. And if there's opportunities to push and transition, I, I'll look for those in field and in box. So, I think just not – overthinking it and realizing that whatever you do well in one probably will translate to the other um and just finding those little differences like so for a transition opportunity like you may have a little bit more time and field for a delayed slow break or like a slow six on five to develop but in the indoor game it happens a lot faster and you have to recognize it faster so if you pick up a loose ball and pick your head up and you're like okay, if I hustle here, we can get a three on two. And I think like my first few years playing, I didn't really recognize those situations as quickly. Um, so everything's just sped up in terms of your decision-making and uh, and your awareness. And I, I think going from box to field, that really helps me as a defenseman because I'm able to slow things down and, and see things develop before they happen because I'm used to like the ball whizzing around just that much faster um, and that much more off ball movement and guys picking you off ball. So I think it's kind of, it helps both ways for sure. Gotcha. I love that. I'll definitely take a note down for that one. Um, and then last one, I have a couple more. Um, I did some research. I see your, you got a sponsorship by what is this brand? It was a thump coffee. Are you a big coffee guy, you know, before games? Because I, I see uh, Nick Ocello, who doesn't need any more caffeine in the world, is also on here. <laughs> um, so, well, you know, what's your pregame ritual like? I'll say that. Are you a coffee guy? Are you a music guy? You, what's that looking like? Yeah, I'm not superstitious. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little stitious, but I got, like, a normal routine. Like, I'll nap before the game for an hour or so after our shoot around and then like some days I'll have coffee. Some days I won't. It kind of depends how I'm feeling, but definitely uh, a coffee guy in the morning. And then I have like a 
very elaborate uh, stretching routine at this point because I've thrown my back out and had just like stupid injuries from being almost 30 years old at this point. So a lot of it's just kind of like getting into the right mindset. Um, I'm not the DJ in the locker room. I, I usually go with whatever's on and then just kind of get my, into my routine and doing a little bit of breathing and visualization and just go play. Awesome. All right. Interesting to hear. And then last but not least, you know, if anyone else has any questions, please just hop in because I'm going to pick his brain on this one. Um, you starting out in the NLL to now, um, we know you we know you're you're good at going up the floor and everything. But what are some what are some things you've learned along the way that can help um, really anybody? So future defensemen that want to learn to play uh, guys who want to come over from field to box. What are some. uh let's say give them some like some key points or some insight. Yeah. I think the thing that helped me the most was playing some senior ball up in Canada, like before, and that was before I was able to make an NLL team. Um, Cause from my experience, Canadian guys and native guys are very, very willing to share their knowledge of the game with you. If you want to learn um, and they're very excited that American guys want to do it for the most part. So that was like a massive help for me and just kind of learning some of the nuances of the game. And then from there, like I've been really blessed again with my teammates on the seals, um, just picking their brains. Like if I want to figure out how to be a better shooter or inside finisher, like I, be, you know, I lived basically with Westberg for a year and I would every day at practice, I would just ask him one question. So it's like if you have people that are willing to help you just ask some questions and they'll help. And that's been something for me is just trying to add something every year or, you know, every time we're at practice, that is a new skill that I can learn or just a little nugget. And I also think like just watching guys play and try to take things from their game. Like I'll watch, um, I watched a lot of like Toronto this year. Cause I, I just like the way their defense played. They push the ball a lot and I'm like, okay, well, how can I add to my offensive game? I had one assist last year and then go to having like, you know, 10, 11 points this year. So hopefully can continue to kind of add to that part of my game the rest of the year. But it's really just about, um, you know, I look at it simply as like, okay, first, don't make any mistakes. Second is like, okay, make some plays. And if you can do those two things and just add on, that's that's kind of been the formula for me from this point. Gotcha. And then you mentioned living with Westberg now. Are we going to see you on the field with Team USA for box? And is that going to be this you this next year? Um, are you guys going to be matched up again in the U.S. versus Canada game? What's that going to be like? Uh, yeah, it's very possible. It's it's definitely a goal of mine. I was an alternate for the last uh, indoor world game. So that would be a huge honor to make that team. Um, I think there's a lot more guys that are playing in the NLL right now that are American. And uh, yeah, if, if Bergie's out there, um, you know, there's no friends when you're wearing those two jerseys. So that would be a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's, really awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh Eli, really appreciate you having, uh, you know, coming on and, and you know, we love hearing some commentary and whatnot, especially, you know, we don't get a lot of um, U.S. born players, especially, you know, being a box, you know, mainly box podcast. So uh, it's kind of cool to hear all those transitions from 
you know, field to box, box to field and whatnot. Uh, got to wrap up with our with our stick grip grip talk here. Uh, you know, like got our got our sponsor stick grip. Um, and, and they're just curious, uh, you know, what is your kind of stick and, and grip setup look like? You know, being a defender, is there a certain uh, amount of grip that you like to have? Are you somebody that runs without? Um, you know, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it comes back to just the way I taped my hockey stick growing up. So I would usually tape the stick like maybe like 20 to 30 percent of the way down, I guess I would say from the top. And then I just have like a cut piece of tape like from the roll to make like a smaller knob around the top. So like with the box stick, I'll probably tape it like a third of the way up um, and then have like a little electric tape on the top just so it doesn't rip. And then the little knob on the bottom. Um, and then, you know, that'll usually last me two or three games and then pretty much same knob for field, but I'll just throw a little bit extra more tape on there. So I'm not too picky, but I, I kind of stick to that same routine. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, got some feedback from stick grip from our last podcast and they said that they can actually, uh, have their product go over any sort of texture that you want as part of your stick as well. Um, so I remember Brett said that he kind of did something similar where he twirls the tape, has it underneath, right, for some more uh, textured grip. Um, so that's something that, that they can also do as well. But Eli, uh, before we let you go here, we'd love to just give you, give you a platform or the floor here. If there's anything you want to shout out, any advice for, you have for us or, you know, any kind of, kind of closing remarks, the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess I'll shout out my, uh, my high school boys. Um, we're playing in the state quarterfinals for Washington 3A playoffs on Friday. So um pretty excited for those. It's it's been good to uh start with those boys with Bellevue Lacrosse this year and, and hopefully we can get a state championship. But uh thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate the time. Absolutely, yeah. Really appreciate you and uh, we'll be rooting for the boys as well. Go 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 get that state ship, baby. <laughs> <laughs>